Okay, so this morning's message, I want to talk about a really important topic, and I've titled it this, The Harvest is Ready Now. Okay, so that's not yesterday, that's not in a little while, that's now. John 4, 28 is where we get the story from that we're going to begin with for the message. So John chapter 4, 28, it says, The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, Four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. The harvest is ready now. Now, some of you may know this story. This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And this woman at the well came in the afternoon to the well because she didn't want to be there with any other women in the community because she had a past. And Jesus talks with her, and he's there on purpose for her. She's not someone you would think, oh, God's going to choose them. They're the roughest of the rough. She was messed up, but that is who Jesus chooses. And Jesus talks to her and tells her about her past. And he says, you need to come back and bring your husband with you. And she says, well, I don't have one. And he says, that's true, you don't. You've had five, and the person you're with isn't your husband. And rather than being offended, she is like... This has to be God. How would he know about my past? This must be him. And she immediately goes and tells everybody, you've got to come meet this man. Jesus is there. People begin to come. His disciples come back. They see him there, and they're concerned about having dinner. And he says, no, it's okay. I'm not hungry right now. And they're like, what? Did somebody like bring you food? And by this time, there's people coming. You know, this is something that's easy for any of us to do, and that's to get caught up in the everyday, to get caught up with what's right around us and forget the kingdom mission at hand. You know, the crazier our world gets, our country, our our world right now, it is easy to get your focus completely on everything that's going wrong and the craziness of life. And miss that right in front of us, there is a mission. Right in front of us, there is a harvest that's ripe. And I'm not just saying that, church, because 
We've had 19 people give their lives to Christ now so far this year. That's amazing. Five people last Sunday accepted Christ. You know, our last weekend, the Saturday included. And how come? Because people here were going out and inviting their friends. This lady who avoided people in the scripture suddenly was running around telling everybody, you got to come over here. That alone was probably enough to make them go, we better go check this out because this is the one who usually, you know, when she sees people, she goes off the other direction. You know, right now, there's a harvest. It's happening. And even as Christ told them in this story, he said, guys, there's something greater happening right now than needing dinner. The people are coming. We need to reach them. We need to talk to them. We need to, as Jesus did, bring them healing, bring them life, see their lives changed. And he said, don't wait for later. The harvest is ripe now. How often in our lives have we taken the thought process of, well, it'll be nice, you know, if my friends accepted Christ. Maybe one day they will. You know, maybe I'll invite them at some time in the future. Or my relatives, boy, it would sure be good if they would, you know, maybe somebody down the road will talk to them. Maybe one day, not one day, how about today? Because there is a harvest happening right now. Never before in our history in Canada have we seen things as crazy as they are. And in our world, if you're on social media or you check the news, you know there's people right now wondering, are we going to have World War III? That was a thing back in the day, and now there's people thinking about it again. Oh, no. There are people everywhere right now wondering about life and about the future. And you and I have the answer. You and I have the answer for all time. And yes, that answer is Jesus. The answer for fear is Jesus. The answer for brokenness is Jesus. The answer for no hope is Jesus. The answer for Canada's future is Jesus. And we have that answer. The answer is Jesus for our world. We have the answer. And there's a harvest now. What that means, just like this story, Jesus was saying, they are ready to hear. He's talking to his disciples who traveled with him, gave up their lives to be with him. And he's saying, as this version said, wake up, guys. Woo! It's not time for an extended dinner. They're here. They're ready. They want to know. Let's do it. You see... Jesus didn't do it alone, if you didn't notice. It was a team of people that reached the communities. You know, we read the scripture that said everywhere Jesus went, he was doing good and he healed the multitudes, but he didn't do it alone. He had a whole group of people and they all knew their role and their part. And they all took part. And he was saying, let's do this. And they did. And they ended up staying two more days, and many, many people believed the message of the good news, the message of the gospel. You see, the time is now to help people find and follow Jesus. It's not later. It's not down the road. It's not when our lives are perfect or when we finally have enough money. I hope nobody's ever said that. Well, I'll serve God when I finally have enough money and I retire, and then, you know, maybe... Don't! Do it now! 
2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1 says, as God's partners, we beg you, do not accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God said, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. When is the right time to see somebody saved? Today, now. Now, that has always been the case, but I am encouraging you saying that even more right now people are ready. They're ready in our community. They're ready in our world. If we can bring them this message of Jesus Christ with love, they're going to receive it. And I want to encourage you, let's do that. Let's bring that message, not a message of our opinion or our frustration or a message of division, but let's bring them a message of Jesus. John 9 and verse 1, we read this. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man or his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in this world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus is looking at those who are around him, those that are hearing, and he makes that statement and says, I must work while it is day, for the night's coming when no one can work. Excuse me. <coughs> the reason he says this is because it is a Sabbath day. And he knows there are religious people around him looking to make sure he doesn't do anything that could be classified as work. But he knows that the day that is, he is there and there is a person in need is the right time to see them healed. And so he makes some mud, which would be classified as work. And he takes it and puts it on his, the man's eyes, which would also be classified as work. Like, they were extremely religious about the Sabbath to the point that you couldn't help someone or heal someone and they would think that you were horrible. But Jesus said, guys, forget your tradition, forget your law that you've misinterpreted and instead, look, there's a need, there's somebody ready to receive right now, today. <clears throat> don't wait for a right time. The right time is when you are in the company of someone who's in need and you can tell they want your words, your prayers, or your help. That's the right time, okay? I'm not about pushing or forcing a gospel message on somebody who doesn't want it. Jesus wasn't either. But when you're in the presence of somebody who's broken and asking you questions, that's the time, 
And so Jesus tells him also, go and wash in the pool, and he is healed immediately. And you can read further if you want in the story in this chapter, and you'll find that the Pharisees got really angry about all this. And Jesus knew they would, but he said, today's the day, now's the time. I need to do this. I need to see him healed. You see, we can't allow the crazy things in our world to cause us to miss the kingdom work that God has given each of us to do. We read an interesting story in Esther chapter 4, and maybe many of you today know the story of Esther. I talk about it every once in a while. It's obviously one of my favorites. But Esther is a young lady who ends up becoming the queen of the kingdom at that time. The king of that time got rid of his first queen because she didn't do what he wanted. And then after a while, he's like, gee, I, I miss her now. I'm lonely. And his advisors say, oh, we got a plan. Let's go through all the kingdom and find the beautiful young ladies and you can pick yourself a new queen. And so that's what they do. And Esther, who is a Jew, is chosen to go there, to go before the king with uh, many, many others. And God gives her favor, and she is chosen as his queen. But the king doesn't know that she's a Jew. He doesn't know really anything about her past, and obviously not a very good husband. He didn't care to know anything about her past. But anyhow, we'll just leave that alone. The whole story is kind of like you shake your head, what? But yet here was Esther, a young lady who said, okay, God, this is crazy, but I'm still serving you. It was out of her control, but she went and continued to serve God. But a time comes when this king, who she is now the queen to, he has a right-hand man who doesn't like the Jews. And his right-hand man comes up with a plan to kill them all. Because all the problems must be their fault, and the right-hand man says, we're going to kill them all. Yay, he's got a plan. But Esther's uncle Mordecai tells her what's going on and says, you need to go talk to the king or everybody's going to die. And Esther's first comment to Mordecai is, well, I haven't seen him for quite a while and I can't just walk into his court without him calling for me or I could be killed. And Mordecai answers her back in chapter 4, verse 14, and he says this. If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Church... You and I have been put in Slave Lake right now at this time because he has something for us to do. I don't care how you got here. Maybe you felt like you had no choice but you got here. Well, that's what happened to Esther. You've still been put here for such a time as this. You've been placed here to make a difference. You have a voice. You have gifts. And God wants you to step up and to use them. Not to hold back. Not to think, well, somebody else will. 
The somebody is you. The somebody is you. See, if the enemy can keep you quiet, keep you from ever speaking up, then he's won. Because you need to use your voice to reach others. God didn't bring you here just for you. God didn't put Esther in that position of queen just for herself. Not a single one of us has been put in slave lake just for ourselves. Maybe we came here for a job so we could pay bills, and that's important. Good. But he also lined that up because there's something for you to do. And I believe it's for this harvest that is right now happening. You see, the harvest requires workers or laborers, it says. And a laborer is a worker. God is bringing people here to our church to accept him as their savior. Well, they also need to be discipled and to be uh, grow in their faith and learn about it. They need to be part of a life group. There needs to be life groups running. They need someone to invite them to a life group and join them. They need someone who's willing to talk on the phone and answer questions. Are we willing to make time and to do a little work in his kingdom? Yes, I said work. Kingdom work is rewarding. And he will refresh you and he will fill you. So don't be afraid to put a little time and effort for that new person, for those that don't yet know him. Make time for it and I can tell you God will reward you. The closer we come to the end of time, it becomes even more important that we reach souls for Christ. Okay, everything that's happening in our world, if you, you know, have read prophecy or you know a little about of it, you'll be like, wow, we are closer to Christ returning. We're closer to the end of time for sure. Well, I want to encourage you this morning, that is true. And when you see that, it means that even more so, we should press in to God's kingdom work. Now, I'm going to give you some scripture about that. It does not mean we should lose all focus or become selfish or run off and hide out with lots of food and toilet paper. No, that's not what it means. Okay? It means we need to press in even more. When you hear that the, his return is drawing near, you get excited and you press in even further. But often as believers, sometimes instead people get afraid and they start thinking of themselves and maybe only their family and they forget God's work and God's kingdom. Don't forget it. Press into it. Look at Matthew 24, 44. Matthew 24, 44. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
As time continues and we get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus, we need to press in more, not get lazy. Not be like, oh, it's, it's taking longer than I thought. That's okay. Continue doing what he's asked. Because there's a day coming when we get to stand before him and he's going to say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or we might say worker. Well done, good and faithful worker. I'll say that again. Work is not a bad word. You're going to love to hear it when he says it like that. What is a faithful worker? It's someone who does their best and continues. No matter what. If you've ever uh, been a boss or a manager... The worker that you love the most is the one that you have to talk to the least because they're always doing their job well. They're getting better and they just get it done. That's a faithful worker. You don't have to wonder if they're going to show up or not this week or this day. You don't have to wonder if they're going to do anything. You don't have to check up on them every 20 minutes because they'll probably be on their phone doing nothing. Nope. Faithful workers are ones that continue no matter what. Who's ever heard of the show Undercover Boss? Anybody? Well, Undercover Boss is the show where the boss of a, usually a big company will pretend that they're a new hire in their own company. And then they go in, but they're actually undercover seeing all the employees and managers and different things. And they get a bird's eye view, or not a bird's eye, an in-person view of what their company's actually like. Because sometimes the big CEOs, you know, the information comes up, but they don't really know. So they will go in and uh, see. Sometimes they see really horrible employees. Sometimes they see amazing employees. Now, I've rarely watched the show, but for some reason... I looked at a clip on my YouTube channel. It just kind of popped up there. It's like, oh, this is interesting. And here on this show, uh, this thing, they were talking about a lady, and the boss had gone undercover. And while he was undercover, he found this lady who worked for them. She was always on time, early, hardworking, cared about everybody, amazing. But while he was there, he started to find something out, and here she was living in a homeless shelter with her kids. She was a single mom. She got up from the homeless shelter, got her kids to school or wherever, and then worked like that. And he saw this is an unbelievable faithful worker. And so if you've watched the show, sometimes at the end they'll do something to help the amazing employee. And so he brought the employee in, and he said, you know, of course, they say, I'm actually your boss, and the, usually the employee is like, oh, I didn't know, right? And they're really thankful they did the right thing. Uh, but he said to her, you know, this is amazing what you've done, and we want to do something for you. They ended up giving her uh, money to purchase a house. And of course, she fell off her chair, like, What? And the point is, as I'm sharing this today, it came to me, that's a faithful worker. No matter what, 
she continued to give her best. That's just for an ordinary job. How about you and I for him? Are we willing to give our best no matter what? For the king of kings, do you not think he's going to reward? The very first scripture I read, he said he pays wages to those who work for him. He's a good boss. He's way better than any boss on the show. He's amazing. He will reward and pour out and uh, bring things into your life that are amazing. You can trust him on that. So be faithful no matter what. And get ready. Get ready for him to bless you. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons should you be in holy conduct and godliness? You see, the Lord is going to return for us, and he loves people. You know, we see things in our world happening, and we're like, the end of time must be here. It's, it's now. It's going to happen tomorrow. Probably not, because the days is a thousand years to the Lord, and he still wants people reached. When you see his heart, the crazier things get, the heart of Jesus is even more, I want the lost. I don't want them ending up in hell. Is there anybody who will reach them? Is there anybody? There's an Old Testament scripture that says, I looked for a man and I couldn't find one. Look for a woman. Look for anybody willing. He's still concerned about the lost and even more so. Are you willing? Because he's holding off the wrap-up of all things because he wants more people saved. He wants the lost to come in. Matthew 24, 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The end can't come until the gospel is preached everywhere. So no, when things get crazy, don't wrap it up and quit what God's asked you to do. Press in a little more. Hebrews 10.25 says it this way, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. Another version says, provoke one another to love and good work. We must pray for more workers in God's kingdom. Let's face it, their harvest is big. The harvest needs people. You know, the Lord wants to do amazing things and to see many come in, and he gets us involved. He needs you and I. 
Matthew 9 and verse 35 says it like this. Matthew 9 and 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness when he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. That should be a prayer. We should be praying for more people to be part of the work of seeing souls saved. And I guarantee when you start to pray that, if you're not involved, he's going to get you involved. If you're not stepping out, start praying for others and God will show you what you're supposed to do. He needs workers. Tell somebody today, he needs a worker. Did you know good workers in the natural are also usually good workers in God's kingdom? But they have to have a balance. Because sometimes good works in the natural put 110% into their natural work and minus 2% into kingdom work. So it's always that passion, God, give it to you to be a good worker. Make sure and leave some for his kingdom work. And obviously you guys do. That's why you're here this morning or you wouldn't be here. Sometimes people leave none and then pretty soon everything goes to their work and they don't even go to church anymore. You can't help kingdom purpose if you don't go to a body of believers somewhere to get together and invite unsaved and encourage and go to a life group where you can ask questions and pray for others. Has to be a balance. So if God's put that amazing worker in you, just know when it's time to put it into his kingdom. And sometimes you have to say to your boss, I'm scheduled for kingdom work here. I don't know if he'll understand that, but you know what I'm saying, okay? Make sure it's important to you because it's important to God.